Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Bonnie D. in the house. Thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure. I never remember whether I said the future is this way or that way, so we just go up in the air. Thank you very much. We don't usually get the full intro from Voice America, but yes, that's where we are on the Business Channel. Panelists, I haven't introduced you, but please wave hello to LinkedIn. Wave hello to Facebook and virtually wave hello to all our listeners around the world on the Voice America Business Channel. I'm going to start off today's show. By the way, this is a part two panel. I'm delighted to have him back. And I'm going to do my intro instead of just in regular text and prose. I know they're always interesting, but I'm upping the game a little bit talking about the future. I'm talking today about the future of online education, online instruction, and AI. But I have asked ChatGPT to rewrite my bio in something that is poetic. So let's see if we like it. Panel, I want you to listen up, look up, and give me a thumbs up if you like this. If not, we'll talk later. You're off the show. Okay, so here we go. In the style of Carl Sagan, we share the comic view. Cosmic view. Well, I think it's comic too. Of the future of online education and AI where the universe is our cue. There's your first rhyme. Picture a universe expanding. Mooks like galaxies in the night. Personalized learning, blended learning models, VR and AR, an awe-inspiring sight. There's your second rhyme. Micro-learning's wisdom, like stardust and cosmic breeze. Tiny particles of knowledge carried on celestial seas. Isn't that great? Lifelong learning, a pulsar's continuous beat, a rhythm of growth and change, a veritable lifelong feat. Sprinkle in a movie quote or three, you know I love movie quotes, with words of wisdom to delight you'll see. So I have three. What we learn with pleasure we never forget forget. That's from Remember the Titans 2000. Anne likes that one. The important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existing. Goodwill hunting 1997. And you can't put a price on a good education. School of Rock 2003. I continue the poem. So together, let us journey through this cosmic scope. Wave when I call your name with Mary Nunnally, Dr. Anne H. DeCluet, Murray Johansson and Julie Ryan will explore with great hope. Bonnie D's in the house welcoming you with cheer. The future of online education and AI part two. Join me right here. Okay, gang, what you think? Did you like it? Oh, Oh, we got some applause. We got some thumbs up. Thank you very much. I am enjoying using ChatGPT. I do the research and then I just say, give me in this one something to do with Carl Sagan or Dr. Seuss. It loves Dr. Seuss rhymes. <laughs> so that's just a suggestion for all of you in case you want to have a little bit of fun. And remember, we are the spark that puts in the text and puts in the prompts that we get back what we put in. So thank you very much. Let's get on with the show. I've done the math myself, Mary and and Anne and Julian Murray. I did the math. And because you were all on with me just a couple months ago, most of the world knows you and remembers you. However, good news, bad news. There are 14.327 people in the world 
who don't remember you. That's it. So I want you to give an update, a little bit of an update in your three-minute on-air bio, please. Just, Mary, control yourself. Calm down. Get collected there. Cool, calm, and collected. That's Mary in her lavender glory. I want you to update us on what you've been up to since the last time you were here with me. So welcome back, Mary Nunnally. And then let's see, the order will be Anne and then Murray and Julie. Mary, you're up. Go ahead. All right. Hey, welcome, everyone. For those of you who don't remember me or forgot who I am, I'm the co-founder of the Lavender Dragon Team with my son. Since the last time I was on the show, I did a presentation with the folks at Beyond talking about AI tools for online course development, which was really fun. And if you go check, look for it, it's AI and human-centered learning. Um, been on another podcast episode with Bonnie and some of her crew talking about some other futuristic things and just recently attended a workshop for entrepreneurs to uh, move our business forward in the next couple of years by ICCC. So that's what I've been up to. <laughs> very, very nice. And would you remind us how you picked Lavender for your company name, Mary, and your beautiful backdrop and almost so, your hair. Oh, your hair too. Go ahead. Yes, I did. I did do my hair violet this time, so we didn't Thank clash. You. And um yeah, so my favorite color is purple. When I did some research, Purple Dragon was just not a good name for a business. My next favorite color is lavender. And so that's how we ended up with Lavender Dragon. I like it very much. Thank you very much. The hair is lovely. Let's go one stop around the table to Dr. Anne DeCloet. I don't know whether to keep the H in there, keep the doctor in there. You keep changing your name on me. Anne, welcome back. Let's hear from you. What have you been up to? Well, I also love all shades of purple as well. So good morning, everybody. Um, I am Anne DeCluid, and I'm business faculty at College of Southern Nevada. And since the last time I've been with you, we, um, uh, two colleagues of, of mine, uh, Professor Lorraine Brown and Dr. Mary Ann Hughes-Butt, we, the three of us, presented a convocation presentation on um, academic integrity in the age of AI um, at convocation. And Yes, um, we had 126 participants uh, in that session, and that is the most I've ever seen at any convocation presentation. So the interest is very robust. Um, I had people, uh, colleagues emailing me frantically before the semester started, what am I going to do about AI? And I was like, you're going to, you know, you're going to come see us uh, in our convocation presentation. And so, um, you know, there's just so much going on, and there's so much that we can incorporate incorporate into what we are doing. Um, to follow on that, because of the massive interest, I am also resurrecting the Faculty Share series, and we have two amazing presentations that will happen in October, um, just to kind of talk different about different aspects of learning online and in person in the age of artificial intelligence. Thank you very much. I might want to tap you for uh, bringing some of your co-faculty with you, Anne, for a show next February. I think I'm booked for the rest of this year to talk about from the teacher's perspective. I know all of you may be involved at that level, but I haven't specifically focused on the question of plagiarism and copying. And I like to tell people that in the days when our parents, I'm talking about me, I don't know about any of you, bought the Encyclopedia Britannica. In my case, it was the World Book. And we went to the library. Don't you think we sat there and wrote and copied stuff? Well, we had microfiche and we had reference books. We weren't able to copy on our phones. We didn't have iPhones and cell phones. We didn't have digital media back then. I'm 
dating myself. Sorry. No, I'm not. Anyway, the point is that it, we've always been, oh, I want to use it. And then we used to have to put at the bottom of our turn papers, IBID or where the source was. Remember, you have to put a bibliography of everything you used. Encyclopedia Britannica, or in my case, World Book, Book 14, the letter H, page 237, fourth paragraph, bottom of the page, collected by... So we did all that. So I don't know what the big deal is. Anyway, thank you very much. And Murray, welcome back. Let's hear from you. What have you been up to, sir? Go ahead. Yeah, well, thank you. It's good to be back, everyone. Um, in terms of uh, where I am, um, I have an academy, and we have uh, three areas, of course, which you can see on the screen. Leadership, skills, mastery of skills, actually, and digital entrepreneurship, which is related to creating a personal brand and monetizing it. Since uh, I was here last time, I've been focusing on augmenting my university classes with AI. And uh, I kind of figured, well, you can't catch them cheating, so you might as well just uh, make it part of the educational process. So again, I've been pitching them about self-efficacy. In other words, it's not to your personal advantage to cheat. And I've been testing it in three courses. One is uh, marketing, the other one is ethics, believe it or not. And the third one is business communication. And the final thing I've been experimenting with is uh, adding uh, IT services to our mix of online courses. So I've been working with AI people um, and uh, IT people actually to uh, incorporate that as part of the design as well as the delivery. So a lot of things going on, a lot of experimentation, a lot of learning, a lot of making mistakes, I guess. Um, so it's nice to be back and uh, nice to see everyone. Thank you so much. Murray, I just put into the chat another great topic, creating a per your personal brand and AI, the future of your... There's another topic. Murray, you want to bring me a couple of people? I'll, I'll yeah, give you a definitely. date. That's that's a date. That's a show I want to do, getting into the, into the actual application, not just the big industries and professions and talking broad brush. I'd like to dive into the actual uses of it. So thank you very much. Julie Ryan, you're next. Julie, let's catch up with you. Welcome back. Talk to me. Hi, everyone. Great. So I am still the Chief Learning Officer at Alta Claro, and we are a platform uh, um, providing online experiential learning for lawyers. Um, and so uh, we have, uh, you know, so our courses are already, you know, we, we work a lot already with, with generative AI and helping us create our courses, but we're experimenting most recently with ways to incorporate generative AI to augment our courses themselves. So what can we use generative AI for um, as, a, as a learning tool, right? To improve learning outcomes. And so we've been experimenting with that. There's a lot of exciting things going on. We just published a white paper on the use of AI in the legal profession. Um, you know, there are a lot of ethical issues and concerns with confidentiality and um, making sure that the information is legally sound and, and that legal expertise element. So. about how to use AI. So we've been working on, on developing uh, information on that. Um, and then thanks to, to Anne, I, uh, I'm teaching a course at Georgetown Law this semester. Um, and uh, she helped, she gave me some information to draft a, a policy on using AI in the classroom. It's a writing class. So I had to decide, am I going to let them use AI? Am I not? And I figured, you know, if you can't beat it, join it. But let's let's use it effectively and let's, let's teach them lawyering skills so I came up with a policy and had to get it approved by um, by the administration at Georgetown Law, and 
they welcomed it, Anne, and will likely adopt it as a as a school wide policy. So um, we are at the forefront of 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 developing the approach to um, using AI in in the classroom, uh, especially in, in graduate programs such as law. Well, congratulations, Julie. That's great. And, and glad to hear the collaboration. You said at the forefront. Isn't that what we're trying to say we're all yeah. at now? Isn't this a forefront? And I have a funny story to tell all of you. I received a letter from somebody I was sure I didn't know who it was, but the name rang true. It was an email. And it said, uh, I have a school project and I'd like people to participate. It wasn't a child. It was a grown up. I don't know what school, what level, what course, what purpose, what goal. I had no idea. And it was a long, long letter. And, and if you would agree to help me participate, blah, blah, blah. The last line of this very long email. Okay. The first name was Wayne. That's all I'll tell you. Rang a bell with me. And the last line said, I promise you, I will not compromise your identity, your confidentiality. There will be no sharing of any information you send me. But this person named Wayne, who turns out was on my Monday night, read my lips, creativity show in June of 2020 under a different name. His author name is William something. And I remembered it, went back through my guest list from three years ago and found him, okay? But he made the mistake of putting 70 emails with names attached on the CC line instead of the blind copy line. I was one apparently of only two people. I was the first to contact him and I said, Wayne, I think you're William. Nice to see you, but you violated your promise to everybody. You put in clear text, 70 names with email addresses attached. I will not be participating in your school project. I think you want to rethink your methodology. And he wrote back, oh my God, Bonnie, I hit the wrong line. He, he meant to put them, he said, on the blind copy line and preserve. So here he was saying, I won't tell anybody who you are. And he had already given us a beautiful mailing list. I don't know what we had in common, but somehow we knew him and he remembered me. He said, I love being on your radio show. I'm sorry. You're only, you're the first by then of only two people who called me out on that. He said, I don't think I'm going to get many participants. So Julie, to your point about confidentiality and Murray, to your point about ethics, this is the, this is the, the bedrock of email etiquette. You don't put people's emails out there anymore. You protect at least a little bit. You send it to yourself. Anyway, I'm preaching here, but I thought you'd all get a kick out of that talking. And we're not even AI. We're just talking about a simple email. Anyway, I said, Wayne, a a.k.a. William, all the best. Delete me. Remove me from your list. Never to darken your email again. He said, thank you. I appreciate that. So there we go. I don't think people wanted to do it anyway. Okay, let's go on with the quotes now. And thank you all for giving me some ideas for topics for 2024. This is very exciting. So Mary Nunley, I'm going to start with you. And you have given us a quote again. You happen to love Doctor Who, the BBC sci-fi TV series. The episode was the Zygon Invasion, aired first on November 7th, 2015, eight years ago almost. This time, uh, it's the 12th Doctor, played by actor Peter Capaldi. And I have the scene, the Doctor says, 
Do you know what thinking is? It's just a fancy word for changing your mind. And Bonnie, not I, Jenna Coleman's double role says, I will not change my mind. And the doctor says, then you will die stupid. So the quote Mary has picked is, do you know what, what thinking is? It's just a fancy word for changing your mind. Mary, you know, I love to investigate these quotes and the scene was so adorable <laughs> or something. I had to include it. So Mary, rescue me. What does this mean for our topic today? Go ahead. First Gary? of all, if you've never seen the doctor, he this is this is kind of stopping a global war. So some of that context is missed in this thing. Peter Capaldi is a fantastic actor, but not changing your mind. I have run across so many folks in the since last November that are like, AI is going to be the death of us. AI is you know doom and gloom, and AI is you know it's taking away creativity. And my response is typically, well, what have you tried it? Let's think about it. And so, again, it's that we get locked into the ways that we want to do things. And if you don't get on the train, you're going to get hit by the train. And so thinking is just all about changing your mind and going, you know what? Let me give it a try. So that's how it ties into today. Very, very interesting. I'd never quite heard that definition. And I think it applies to a lot of things we we do. Uh, thinking, innovating, Ideating. My friend Brian Mattimore uses the word ideation instead of brainstorming, um, proposing, theorizing, changing your mind. And it's not stupid. Somebody mentioned, uh, was it you, Murray, mentioned failure? You mentioned failing from time. That's how we learned. We get everything right. Mm -hmm. We say, oh, that was a breeze. And we just move on. It's like, what did I just do? I don't know. It was easy. I did it. But this, these failures, these stumbles, these little little bumps along the way are what keep us learning. So thank you, Mary. Very, I'm not going to forget that quote for a while. <laughs> Only Mary would bring that quote to my show. And <laughs> that's Mary Lavender all the way. And uh, let's go with your quote. This is from Captain Jack Sparrow, played by the one and only Johnny Depp. Oh, he has done so much and so many roles with so many faces and so many characters. This movie was Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, 2003 American fantasy, supernatural swashbuckler film. That's the first time I've ever seen that genre. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Uh, the first MPAA PG-13 film re released by Walt Disney Pictures. It defied low expectations. It grossed $654 million worldwide. It was the fourth highest grossing film of 2003. Did you know that, Anne? Disney never expected it to do that. Uh, widely cited as the film that launched Johnny Depp as a box office leading man after many years as just being in cult movies. Interesting. And here's the quote from Captain Jack. Sparrow. The problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. Do you understand? I don't do a good Johnny Depp. And let's hear from you. Go ahead. Neither do I, but Jack, Captain Jack Sparrow is a fast, talk it, fast talker, and so I just love this quote, especially as we apply it to artificial intelligence, because last year, uh, last year about this time, a uh, generative AI was just unleashed uh, onto the world, and we really didn't have any kind of pretext for that or any kind of intro, formal introduction. It just was out there, and so for many of us in the learning and development field, 
field, in the higher education field, it was a problem. But as we've had some time to look at it, play with it, um, experiment with it, and things like that, it's really not the problem. Um, the problem is, for many people, that uh, their attitude about the problem um, or the attitude about um, artificial intelligence and believing that it's bad. Just as Mary um, said earlier, is, is people people who are most afraid of it are often the ones where when I ask some open-ended questions, they have not um, experimented with it. They've done a lot of research about it, but they haven't actually experimented with it. And so it's not, AI no longer is the problem. It's our attitude towards the problem. So we have to, um, we have to, to make sure that, um, that people understand that there are ways to work with it and not against it. Thank you very much. I was doing sign language, asking Ann to move her mic. Mic up, up, does that, up. Does that work? It's it's fine. You were just a little bit low, and I was asking Aaron. He said, yeah, we just need to move. I didn't realize your mic had moved down. Thank you very much. Perfect. Oh, there we go. Thank you for the quote. Yeah, I don't do. We don't. Who does a good Johnny Depp? You, you need the eye patch. You need the, the, the thing around the head. You need the, you know, you need the sword and the ship and all that. Yeah. The, the eyeliner that goes to the cheek. Oh, yes. I, I didn't put enough on today. I, I've added a little bit, but I didn't put enough on. Murray Johansson has picked a quote from Dr. Susan Calvin, the robo-psychologist. I don't even know what that is, but I want to know what her degree is. Played by Bridget Moynihan. I love her in Blue Bloods. You know, she's the daughter, Erin, yes, Erin Reagan, uh, the DA. Uh, the movie is I, Ro I didn't even know she was in this. I, Robot, 2004 sci-fi action film. I have the scene here, uh, but I think I'm just going to... Uh, okay, let me read. Dr. Calvin, played by Bridget Moynihan, a robot cannot harm a human being, the first law of robotics. And Spooner, played by Will Smith, says, yeah, I've seen your commercials, but doesn't the second law say that a robot must obey any order given by a human? What if it was given an order to kill? And she says, impossible. It would conflict conflict with the first law. Spooner says, right, but the third law states that a robot can defend itself. She replies, yes, but only if that action does not conflict with the first or second laws. He says, well, you know what they say. Laws are made to be broken. That's for you, Julie. And then Dr. Spooner says, no, not these laws. They're hardwired into every robot. A robot could do no more murder, commit murder than a human could walk on water. And Spooner says, well, you know, there was this one guy a long time ago. So, Murray, thank you for the scene. And the line is, a robot cannot harm a human being. Murray, take it away. What does this got to do with our topic? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, there's a, a, a AI is a tool and a tool can be used many different ways, uh, like a sword. Um, when I was young, uh, Isaac Asimov wrote a book called I, Robot, which the movie, of course, borrowed the title. But the theory in the book was different. Asimov said that the positronic, positronic brain of a robot had to have these three laws inbuilt. You could not have a robot uh, with uh, artificial intelligence without these three laws. And of course, the, the plot line of the book follows a robot who gets uh, attached to a family, and the robot's primary responsibility, believe it or not, was a uh, nanny bot. So the robot is training the next generation. The next generation gets old, and so on, and so on, and so forth. And then at some point, you know, into the future, the robot creates, and it creates inventions. And the family says, what do you do with that money from those inventions? They let the robot have the money. Are you with me, everyone? They didn't keep it themselves. They let the robot keep it because they thought, well, you know, he created it. It created it. 
And then uh, the final portion of the book was uh, 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 a scene or a series of stories related to the robot seeking citizenship. As many of you know, humans have right, but corporations are a legal person too. So why shouldn't AIs be legal persons at some point in time? And it was a really interesting thing because I think we will, as a human, as human species, reach that point at some point where we have to decide whether these uh, entities will have rights the same way we have rights. And I actually thought it was kind of cool to be a robot psychologist. I remember that at the age of eleven, you didn't have any, I didn't have anything to do, but I thought, wow, you know, that sounds cool. <laughs> it does sound cool. Thank you. I love the scene, the back and forth banter on the laws and what you can and can't do, and can and can't break, and what a human would or wouldn't do—walk on water and all of that good stuff. So many references, right, Murray? So many little cultural things that came into that conversation, and I still think Bridget Moynihan is the best as Aaron Reagan on Blue Bloods. I'm Sorry. I just asked Alexa last night since the writer's Hollywood strike apparently was over and they're going back to work when the next live episode of Blue Bloods is. I think it's season 18 and it said there are none scheduled yet. Okay, we'll be okay. Anyway, okay. Thank you all. Let's go to Julie Ryan. Julie has sent a quote from the late, great David Bowie. The song is Starman, 1972 song, Englishman David Bowie. And this was uh, I just some interesting things. The song is considered by the critics, Julie, as one of David Bowie's finest. The chorus was inspired by Judy Garland's Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Other influences include the Supremes and T-Rex. Uh, following his performance on BBC TV's Top of the Pops, the song reached number 10 on the UK singles chart, propelled the album, his album, to number five. It was his first major hit in three years, and the performance made him a star, watched by an audience that included future musicians Bono, Boy George, Morrissey and others. I thought that was interesting. Talk about history. How did they know who was in the audience if they were future musicians? They must have said, I was there, I was there. So here's, here's the quote. There's a star man waiting in the sky. He's like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'd blow our minds. Oh, Julie, this is poetry. How did you find us and apply it to our topic, please? So first of all, I think David Bowie is probably one of the greatest musicians that ever lived. We can debate that, but I think, you know, regardless of what you think about him, he was a visionary. He was always fascinated with space. You remember his other uh, famous song, um, uh, you know, This is Ground Control to Major Tom. So he had a lot of space themes going on, Ziggy Stardust, the spiders from Mars. He was fascinated by space and just, just this thirst for an interest in things that he didn't quite understand. And so this, you know, it's very telling this, this, you know, the line in the song, he'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'd blow our minds. It's exactly how David Bowie felt, I think, when he was writing these songs. He was just, why not, don't be afraid of things that you don't understand, but be interested in them and do something with them, right? And so that's really, um, you know, it's 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 mind blowing in a way that AI is is mind blowing, right? He could have just as well have written the song. Um, you know, there's a there's a computer waiting that can that can write our songs, but he think he'd blow our minds. I mean, you could just substitute that right in. And so, um, I just couldn't resist this this quote because I think it just really really kind of categorizes the 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 feelings, the mixed feelings about about AI. It does. Thank you very much for that, Julie. And I like the way you said, just do something with it, right? 
Don't be afraid of it. Right. Figure it out, right? All the people who said cell phones were evil, all the things they said, I'm, I, I hope that they were wrong <laughs> as far as health-wise, but all the people who said uh, cars, are, I don't know. Think about all the major inventions over the years that people said, no, it's going to be the downfall of society. Uh, just interesting that this is something that said, but look at where we are in our culture. Look at where we are in the world. We have come through so much, so many, and people are still, Julie, reaching for the stars to find new things to keep us moving forward. Forward, forward where we aren't quite sure and keep us, I find this exciting. I find it intriguing. I find it interesting. I find it energizing. I find it uh, the ability to enhance who we are, what we do, how we do it, where we go, why we do it. That's all part of the, the fun of being alive today. I've said my piece. There we go. Okay, now <laughs> let's move on. Thank you all for the quotes. I know you all put a lot of effort into picking very interesting quotes. You succeeded beyond my wildest dreams in the story. Okay, let's go to our predictions now. I've asked you all to send me some new predictions for this part too. So let's go to, who have we got here? Did I pick one from Anne by mistake for Mary? I think I did. Uh, I think Mary, so. I, I apologized. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to pick this one, Mary. I apologize. I'm going to put it in the chat for you as I read it. Anne, I mistakenly put your prediction number two in the chat for Mary, so you won't see it. But I'll, I'll figure, Anne, you're going to find it. I'll put it in for you. Mary, let's do this. Just in time learning. Mary says she envisions custom learning paths being created for employees on the job that provide micro-learning lessons as needed to perform work-specific tasks. The content would be delivered via phone, via smartwatch, etc., and address specific learning challenges. Let's talk about that just in time for this part of our discussion on the future of online learning. Thank you. Mary, I apologize. Go ahead. Uh, sure. So... We're getting close. I mean, we do have some just-in-time learning, but for the most part, whether it's in school or whether it's in corporate, it's still, you have to log into a learning management system or you have to physically show up for a course and then you're fed content that is designed for the masses or you know, for everybody signing up for that course. So if I'm in college and I'm taking English composition, it doesn't matter what my background is, I'm still getting the same curriculum as everyone else. But as the workplace is growing, as we're getting more mobile, and I'm hearing this often from our clients, we need some just-in-time type of learning, something that helps me solve that problem now. As individuals, we're already doing a lot of that. We look up, you know, how do I cook Brussels sprouts? And we can go to YouTube, or we can you know, go to ChatGPT, or we can go to whatever tool we want. And it's it's just in time. But imagine if we could deliver that in a workplace where as you're tackling a problem, your computer or the hardware that you're working on, say you're a uh, mechanic, realizes that you're struggling and we've decided that, oh, it should only take about four minutes to fix X. And it's just like, oh, you've been struggling with this for six minutes. And then you get a little alert on your watch that's kind of driven by the AI that says, it seems like you're struggling with how to change the uh, oil. Here's the six steps to do that. And, you know, there's there's some issues that would have to be resolved around privacy and things like that. But I really think in the next few years, we're going to see more of this kind of just-in-time give you the content when you need it approaching. Same thing in the classroom as an educator. Right now you have to kind of talk to the masses. And if you see that Mary's sitting in the back of the room zoning out for whatever reason, 
you either slow down the whole class to address Mary's issue or Mary just leaves the class going, I don't have no idea what happened. I think I'm just going to drop the class. I don't, it's over my head. But if there was a way that you could provide that just in time remediation, for example, where instead of embarrassing Mary in front of the whole room, she gets an alert on her phone or her computer that says, Oh, it seems like you're struggling with this topic. Here's a quick little, you know, animation video, whatever that will, break down the topic for you so that you should feel more comfortable joining in the conversation with the rest of the class. So that's what I envision happening. I haven't quite thought through the practical ways of making it happen, but I think we're close. Very interesting. It reminds me, it reminds me, Mary, of years ago, not that long ago, when we were told that if you subscribe to a website or email to certain retail stores and you're in a mall outside the store, you might get a coupon. And wouldn't you love to buy those silver candlesticks? We know that your sister-in-law's anniversary is coming. Oh, that's a lot of violation of privacy and ethics. But the point was they'd say, oh, we know you're nearby. Stop in the store. We have coupons mm-hmm. for you. We have a special. So that's, Mary, that's interesting. And it would be interesting how you wouldn't embarrass the student named Mary, uh, who is dozing off in the back of the class by by having her look at her phone and the teacher, who would be named Mary also in this case, saying, Mary, this is Mary. Mary, we need you to pay attention to the class. No, you just sent me an alert. I have six steps to get interest. So there would be the, the, the veil, piercing that veil of how do you make it private where she can get back interested during the class without mm-hmm. violating the teacher's rules of paying attention. Th- th- that's very, very interesting. I'd like to see that role played, Mary. Does anybody besides me have any comments <laughs> on just-in-time learning sent to your device, Murray or I, uh, Julie? I feel, I mean, to, to you know, back to mind-blowing marriage, as you were describing that, I was just thinking that's the, the the potential is is limitless in what you can do. I'm thinking of a student writing a paper and the AI interrupts and says, you seem to be struggling with a sentence or, you know, you've, you've got some grammatical errors. Do you need some help? Um, and, you know, back to your point earlier is that that's, that's not cheating if you're open about what you're, you know, it's not, it's, it's making use of the technology that exists. And so isn't that, if it's going to improve the overall product and you're learning from it, um, why not? Mary, I used to teach eBay selling and buying skills for Great Neck Long Island Adult Ed years ago when I was out of work. I walked into the office of the director, Ronna Telsey, and I, she knew me. And I said, I've been selling on eBay in between jobs and my mom's an antique dealer. And she gave me stuff and I'm having some success. I'd love to teach it. And she said, good, we just fired our teacher. The class starts in 10 days. Put together your curriculum. You've got all six seats in the computer lab field you're starting. I said, what? She said, yeah, come back in 10 days in first class. So the class was a sellout for a long time. But I was that just-in-time learning prompt, Mary, because I had a lot of, in the evenings, I had doctors, I had lawyers, I had some people who used to be called housewives, household engineers, and coming into the class, and I taught from 7 to 10 at night. That's a long class, and but it was only once a week. So I taught the class, and people started to... A little bit doze off. So I came up with my own prompt method, Mary. I'm going to make this real fast. So I would say, Murray, Dr. Murray, the surgeon, I bet you had a long day. Murray, 
Just now, Anne, our newest entrant putting something to sell on eBay, has got this gorgeous, uh, gorgeous bag, this gorgeous Birkin that she bought for $10,000 10 years ago, and she's selling it at a discount for $2,225. Murray, you know there's going to be a real furor over getting that bag, and you know that your wife has always been telling you she'd love a Birkin on her birthday is coming up next week. So, Murray, what are we going to do? Let's start the opening bid for Murray and Julie. You're the competing person who's bidding on that. And Mary, you're going to be, I don't want a Birkin, but I like other things that Anne has on her for sale list. I would wake up that class, Mary, just by mm -hmm. creating a scene and making a scene where they all were actors and participating. Nobody ever slept in my classes. Anyway, thank you very much. But I, I love the idea of doing it through AI. Privacy is a big thing. How would you know, Julie, that somebody was having trouble writing a paper? How would you be sitting there saying, oh, God, she's been staring at that screen for 14.2 minutes. That's way too long. You'd have to be watching me. Or you'd have to see that I had no keystrokes, but I wasn't looking at comics online. Or I wasn't looking up movie right. reviews. You'd have to know. I mean, we do that now. We have Grammarly. It underlines if you're if you're making a, a typo or mistake. And so, as long as you know, and that's something I think we're actually going to have to get used to living with. Um, yeah. I, I think it's just it is it is a reality. And if you're not sharing that with someone else, and if it's anonymized, who who cares, right? And so, I think we have to the new normal a little bit. I think we have to kind of get used to the fact that it's somewhat intrusive. Or the new Abby normal. Anne, unmute. I'm going to read your prediction here. This is the one I put for Mary by mistake. Anne says, many employers are favoring candidates who can articulate how they've used AI to solve real-world problems and eliminate inaccurate outputs. Because AI plagiarism and misuse detection is not great, integrating AI into the curriculum is paramount for online trainers and educators. That's the hook to our topic. And take it away. Tell us, please. Absolutely. Uh, companies and employers um, are desperately looking for how does this technology revolution of AI, see what I did, Bonnie D? Yeah. So how does this apply to me and how can I use it and how can I capitalize on it? They want to specifically employers and companies want to know um, how can we help our customers lives? How can we get our customers to buy more from us? The other fundamental um, question that they want to know is, is how can they become more internally efficient um, and use it as a product productivity assistant. And so those are some of the core things. And so if a candidate or a current employee can say, this is how I understand how to use AI and how we can bring in more uh, customers and be more efficient at the same time, these are the folks who are going to be successful um, in, the, in the future as it relates to, to AI. The problem though, is you want to make sure that they are effective in using it and they don't take some of those improper and incorrect outputs, generative AI can um, tell a very confident lie. And so you need to be able to um, determine what's a real thing that's viable that you can use and move forward. And what do you need to chunk and redirect um, AI to, to giving it to you? So I think the point here is that because last year at this time, there was no guidelines and guardrails when this was just thrown out there. We need to develop those so that we can move our students, our participants, employees from misuse and move them towards productive use. 
Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. There's so much to to know, Anne, about what is true and what is the hallucinatory AI. Julie, that references some recent legal cases where they said AI was hallucinating and definitely not true. And I run into where I've asked for movie quotes and AI has made up the quote to suit what I asked it to put the quote about. And then I said, I looked it up. I didn't find it. They said, oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you that these are fictional movie quotes from fictional characters in real movies. And I said, I want real quotes from fictional characters in real movies. So I had to redefine what I was saying, it apologized for the confusion. She does. So as I was preparing for my um, convocation presentation, um, I was doing all kind of different things and just playing with it. And it came up with a tropical fish smoothie. And um, so just, I don't know how that sounds to you, but it doesn't sound appetizing to me. And so it will just spit out these things and you have to know what's right and what's not. And you have to know what's edible and what's not. <laughs> Murray's thinking, I wouldn't like that one either. No, that's not going to be at my next cocktail party. Nobody would be my friend again after that. Okay, thank you very much. Let's go to prediction new number one from Murray. Murray says, this is interesting. Courses will incorporate AI-based coaching. This is different from what we've been talking about. He says, Google's AI assistant currently being tested by the DeepMind division offers personalized life advice and acts as a personal life coach. It has the potential to be used in teaching or tutoring online classes. For example, an AI assistant could be used to provide feedback on homework assignments, suggest study strategies, or offer guidance or career decisions. I'm interested in the life coaching. Murray, take us there. Go ahead. Yeah, I think AI is really very fascinating. And as you know, um, there's an exponential growth factor associated with the intelligence of AI. And some people say it's doubling every 18 months. Some people say it's less. So we're going to see fantastic abilities developed in this kind of uh, regime. One of those is um, coach coaching. Uh, and I know it may seem difficult to do, but, you know, actually coaching as a set of skills plus a learning methodology. And so AIs can definitely fill that role. Um, DeepMind is also rumored to be able to add uh, wellness types of capabilities into this um, paradigm that they're offering to us. So that could be an adjunct uh, for therapists and for people that are just having a bad day. Uh, already we got Wobot and some others that are doing this kind of thing on a therapy side. So one of my issues uh, in learning, and I think it's a, an issue we have to tackle with online, is that people tend to not be self-motivated uh, to the extent they need to be. And there's some people that are. I mean, uh, um, Julie's uh, lawyers, uh, or future lawyers, I should say, in Georgetown, these are really incredibly self-motivated learners. But the average person, not so much. And they really need something or someone or some entity to be able to keep them going, you know, to be able to answer questions. Um, so uh, my view is that coaching is very, very important. The coaching methodology is very important if we want to really get people to develop skills. And to me, I think this is a very, very important thing for those of us in online learning to understand because a classic uh, class tends to focus on expertise. And what we want people to do is to develop behavioral skills, mental skills. And of course, that requires practice. And if we're going to practice, we probably want a coach. 
And since a lot of people can't afford, you know, $200, $300 per hour, um, the uh, AI uh, uh, attached to a course could be a really, really, really helpful way of developing lots of um, soft skills, uh, which I think is a real um, important area for us as humans to develop as we go through the 21st century. So I'm very, at one level, I'm very happy, you know, that uh, maybe this technology, the application Google's coming up with is going to work. At another level, I'm also very concerned because there's a lot of people that are therapists and coaches and counselors and so on. So they'll either have to adapt or they may have a very difficult time finding potential clients. Very interesting perspective, Murray. Thank you. Coach, counselor, by the way, those of you, well, what my viewers and listeners don't know is before my guests join me on Zoom before the show, I always put the word welcome, exclamation point. Please turn off and mute your phone, ringers, alerts, text alerts. Thank you. But I use the word welcome. And I will admit, Murray, that I had a wonderful therapist in New York. She passed away several years ago. Whenever I walked into her office, for my my counseling session, the first word out of her mouth was welcome. Never in my years going through therapy did I have anybody say other than hello or you're back or it's 1045, come in. I've never had anybody say welcome. What a difference that human touch made, Murray, in bringing me in and making me feel welcome. So I'm hoping that the life coach you're talking about, the coaching through AI, will have that sentient sensibility or sensitivity to making us feel welcome. Because there's so many ways that could go, actually. Don't date him. I saw you go out last night. That's terrible. He's going to ruin your life. He's going to steal your car. Anyway, we don't want to get in that place. Okay. Anybody have any comments about life coaching through AI? Anybody else? Murray, I think you just stilled their tongues. You blew their minds, right, Julie? He just blew their minds. Okay, I'm going to go to Julie's you know, prediction. It's really funny because, you know, good coaches have empathy, and it's a big argument in the field whether a machine will ever have empathy. To me, it's not relevant, actually, because they're going to be able to fake empathy. So, again, you're going to be able to interact with them just like you would a friend, you know, so on and so forth. You know, <laughs> you don't care about. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have a, your friend on your phone, actually, and you're going to interact a lot with your friend, you know, or your personal assistant. So all these things are coming in the next year or two. That's interesting. Mary, I really love the lavender hair. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. There we go. So that was a simulation, but it's true. It's true. Julie, I'm going to get myself out of trouble here. Julie, your prediction number three, this is interesting. I, I think it's a good summary for a lot of what we've been talking about. You say the use of generative AI to augment online learning will lead us to identify learning outcomes and objectives we haven't even considered yet. In other words, the implications of gen AI in online learning are so profound and complex, we ha cannot yet fully comprehend. We don't know what they what we don't know. No, I'm going to read the last line here. You say, uh, the more our human minds will be able to think outside of our human mind box. Julie, take us into this starbound unknown, please. Go ahead. Yeah, so my, my biggest concern with using AI is that is that you do have to think about it differently to have it be effective. You don't want to just be saying, okay, let's just let's just have AI do it, right? Because that's not that's not what we're aiming for in education, especially online education. Uh, you know, that what I'm struggling with is, okay, we, we, you know, we're devising these ways to incorporate AI. Do 
Did we lose her? I think Ooh. we might have lost her. We, she, oh, we lost you for Julie, a second. Julie, Julie, you're back. You're back. Continue. You, dro- you blo- dropped out. I, Go ahead. You're I back. don't know why. Can you hear That's me? Okay. okay. Yeah, we can. I was, Go ahead. I, uh, yeah, just saying my my uh, connection is okay. unstable for some reason. That's okay. Continue. I, I don't know where I dropped off, but um, what I was saying is that what I'm struggling for is is what's our learning objective, right? When you're teaching, mm-hmm. you have to know, what am I teaching? Do I want them to learn skills? Do I want them to learn knowledge? What's the point, right? You, you always need to start with what am I trying to get get the students to, to learn? And so I think that really takes, you know, to, to you know, to think outside of our, our box of what's possible with the human mind. What's possible with AI? We don't actually know because we're not AI. And so it's, it's about, you know, to Murray's point about practicing and skill building and really just becoming fluent in it. And I think then those ideas will kind of self-generate. Or maybe we ask AI to tell us what they should be, right, which you, you could do. But I think it's more, you know, especially in, in teaching writing and you, allowing students to use AI, you know, maybe our learning outcome is giving them the skills to be able to use AI effectively. So instead of running from it or hiding from it, maybe what we're, our objective is let's practice with AI so you can be better at using AI because ultimately that will benefit the end result. Um, and you know we're teaching you to be creative, but let's be creative in how you ask AI to do something to get the right answer right? So to get what you want, you still have to put that creativity in. So for your poem, Bonnie, at the beginning with the expanding universe, you came up with those ideas that you wanted it to, to expand on. Yes. And so we need to learn how, you know, maybe what we're teaching is, is how to communicate with AI, right? The same way that when emails came in, you know, I'm dating myself here, when emails first came out in legal practice, how do you effectively communicate by via email? It's different than communicating in person. So, um, you know, AI is a different form of communication. It's a different way of thinking. And so you really have to step back and be open to considering a different viewpoint almost to lead you to, oh, well, yeah, I didn't think about it like that. And so, you know, to Mary's point, like this kind of, this, this kind of, well, you know, let me help you here. That that didn't really exist until AI. It takes thinking about AI in a different way to be able to come up with that. You know, how are we giving feedback to students? Maybe that's one of the key um, key uses for Gen AI in, in, in learning, right? So how you, you've got 5,000 people in a MOOC, how are you gonna give them individualized feedback, yep. right? Maybe if they're inputting their information in, you can get some, some individualized feedback out. And so maybe that's, a, you know, just thinking outside the box, as I said. Thank you, Julie. That was a lot of great thoughts, uh, good positioning. And I'm thinking that one of the things we've been saying in education for years is students need to learn critical thinking. And a new profession that has popped up recently is, uh, and I see you, text prompt coaches, right? How do you prompt? And Mary and I are both on Night Cafe Studio, and how do we prompt? And by the way, the breaking news is that ChatGPT unveiled, let me get my notes over here so I'm not straining, uh, unveiled a host of updates, including voice and image recognition 
recognition, making a significant stride toward making a more interactive and intuitive user experience similar to how we use and interact with Siri and Google Assistant, and I'm going to say Alexa, not too loud. Users can now snap photos and have live discussions with ChatGPT, a feature handy while traveling, planning meals, or assisting with academic problems. It's coming soon. It's in beta, and it might be. It's only in the paid version, but it's coming to mere mortals soon. And you had a comment. Please join us. Go ahead. Uh, yes, one of the things that when we talk about critical thinking is, is I just love that, um, you know, the output that you get from the prompts, uh, you put in a prompt, and that's one of the things that we're developing curriculum around is, is what's going to be your prompt? Okay, did it get, did it give you what you expected? Because I know the first couple of times I used ChatBT, GPT, it didn't give me what I expected, but I learned each time, and then that helped me refine that prompt. And and so um, it's really one of those things of discovery. The other thing is, is that students who are possibly looking or, or participants who are possibly looking at cheating, they may put something in and not even read it and just copy and paste it into the um, in, into whatever their, their work is and turn it in and busted because sometimes, you know, the output will say, well, because I'm a I'm a machine, I can't feel. Um, and so it's one of those things where, you know, we need to go through the process with our participants and say, now evaluate that output. How would you change the prompt? What will you ask it to do? How will you ask it to refine? And so that's one of the great things that we can do in helping them build critical thinking skills. And there's another topic for a future show, the future of text prompts and AI. Julie, very fast. Go ahead. I just, I just have to respond to that, and I can't believe I didn't mention it, but we actually developed a course on prompt engineering. How do you, the fundamentals of prompt engineering that you can apply to whatever you need AI to do. And, and Mary helped develop that course with me, and we did it as a collaboration. And it's, we've already come out with two versions of it because it's evolving so quickly every time they add features. So um, yes, I do believe the future is in, is in how do you engineer an effective prompt to maximize the, 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 the chance that you're gonna get the result that you're looking for. Can you two come and bring me two more people? Of for course. that for that panel on text prompts, I might have one show left in the last week of November or first week of December before we do the crystal ball predictions. We're just about out of time, but I want you to look behind me. I've changed my background. I told Night Cafe Studio I wanted uh, some fiber-like uh, in silver and reds and fuchsias and purples and golds in a heart-shaped threads. And this is the logo for my new website, aka RadioRed.com, where I place my art, my art spark digital art, my uh, handwritten art on an iPad, my digital art that way, my watercolors, my acrylics, my poetry, and my music art videos. And this is what it created for me. And I absolutely love it. I could have not done this with my skills and with my equipment that I had. I'm, Mary, what have you got there real fast? What is that? So Gorgeous. real fast, again, play, this is one of my first attempts at Night Cafe, and it's a <gasps> female business leader pondering a work question. And so now I'm working on changing the colors and such, but Mary. that was just, that was one very simple prompt. 
I, I want that prompt. I want that prompt. I'm okay. going to go back to my background here. <laughs> we have just, this has just been absolutely delightful. I don't usually come up with different topics from shows, but I've got the text prompt topic and a couple of others that I talked to you about. So let's all stay in touch and come up with, if you'd like to come back, I hope you would. I want to say thank you to Aaron Keller, our once in a while engineer, who is the lead of client success and technical director at Voice America Radio. Thank you for stepping in while Andrew is away. Aaron, the only thing you didn't do was say, hello, Julie, how are you? He always, Andrew always sounds like he's New York when he says, how are you? And they always say, I'm fine. Thank you, Andrew. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Guess I have, stick around. We're going to take pictures. I want you all to put up your hand and we're going to do the no, no, no on the count of three. We're almost out of time here. So when people say, come on, Julie, finger up, finger up, finger up. People say the future is already here. Our answer on the count of three, one, two, three. No, no, no. Come on, you can do it fat with me. No, <laughs> no, no, no. 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 <laughs> that was yesterday's future. That was the future one nanosecond ago. It's gone. We're all here to make the future so much better. Bonnie D signing off for another very exciting episode of Technology Revolution, the future of now, now, now. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh